Hey there, all you true crime fans. I'm Amanda. And I'm Corey. And this is Colorado Crime. If you're new here, we're just two best friends who want to be your new best friend while we chat about all things true crime. We cover cases from coast to coast with a special emphasis on cases that happen right here in colorful, crime-filled Colorado. <sighs> I had to breathe. <laughs> Stop by for the stories. Stay for the fun. If you're returning, thanks for stopping by, friend. Okay, are you ready for a joke? Um, yes. Okay, this joke was sent in to us by Brenda Thompson. Thank you, Thank Bren. You. That was very nice of you. I know um, several of you sent a bunch of jokes, so I'm, I'm doing my best. Um, they'll be on... The podcast and not on Facebook, so look for him here. Okay. <clears throat> what did one plate say to the other? Oh, gosh. What? Tonight, dinner's on me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> That's a good Keep one. Keep coming. Send your terrible jokes to me. I love them. Yes, please. We love them. So before we jump into our true crime updates, we have to talk about our new series. So if you missed our announcement yesterday, we are starting a new series that will air every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time called Serial Killer Tuesday. Our first episode will be released on March 7th. On SKT, we will do a month-long deep dive into a different serial killer's life. So make sure you tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to find out what makes some of the most prolific serial killers tick. All right, friends, let's go ahead and get into some crime updates. So I was researching these, and <laughs> this one was like two bananas to pass up. So I this read one, that. It's crazy. It's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. It is. So this one is coming to us from the UK. Shay Groves, 27, slit her BDSM partner. His name was Frankie Fitzgerald. She slit his throat. And then, after that, she proceeded to stab him 22 times. So, buckle up, though, because this is literally only the beginning. So, after she stabbed him, she then video called her friend. And while she was giggling, she showed her, she showed the friend, Frankie's lifeless body. And said, quote, I've done him, end quote. So, the friend assumed that she was just being pranked. And she didn't really take the call seriously, until Shy got like up close and personal with the damage that she caused, and she showed the gaping wounds to the to whoever she was on the phone with. Can you imagine getting a call from your friend, like a FaceTime call, and you're like, "Hey, girl, what's up?" And she's like, "Hey, girl, nothing much. I giggle, just giggle, uh, stabbed my boyfriend." And yeah. She, um, sorry, what? <laughs> right. Well, and she's like, "No, here, look, here he is. Yeah, of Here's course, a picture you're of him. Fake." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's just his guts. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> He's it's, fine. It's just a surface wound. <laughs> He'll be okay. <laughs> We've been I'll call you later. Nina. We'll get drinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's not actually, funny, but it's, it's not funny. funny. Luna says hi, everybody. She's leaving now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she called this friend, and um, it was actually the friend who reported what was going on. Um, and apparently she 
Shay claimed that she was mad at Frankie because she found out that he was messaging a 13-year-old. But during the investigation, it was revealed that the girl he was communicating with was actually 17, and he had already blocked her after he discovered her age. But the plot thickens when I tell you guys the next part. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so... <laughs> Shay Groves had an unhealthy obsession with serial killers and even had framed pictures of them on her wall. And I'm not talking like little pictures. I'm talking like posters. Yes, like Andy Warhols on her on her walls. Nice. Um, so when her friends were testifying, they said that that Shay had actually joked that Fitzgerald was going to end up on her wall and she quote left space for him. So she was actually sentenced last week to life in prison with a minimum term of 23 years. And because it's oh. Britain, their sentencing's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, speaking of like serial killers, there's a mod on The Sims because Amanda and I both play The Sims and shout out to all you Sims players that are listening right now. But there's a mod on The Sims that you can turn yourself into a serial killer or summon a serial killer. And it's the same thing. You can get posters of them too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a very dark and terrifying mod, but also cool at the same time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe I have an unhealthy obsession with serial killers. <laughs> All right. Well, if you start hacking Candace up, we're gonna have some problems. Well, I'm not I'm not the guy who's going to take a picture and send it to me because if somebody did that to me, I'd be screenshotting that whole conversation. Be like, here. I, like, oh my God, can you send me another picture of that? Right? It goes back to, we will tell. <laughs> Don't tell us stuff. We're terrible. <clears throat> oh, so I'm sure you guys mm. are aware, but next on our list is R. Kelly. Um, R. Kelly. So if you guys aren't familiar, I'm sure you all are, but if you're not, he was arrested and tried in 2008 for child pornography, but the jury failed to convict him. Then in 2019, a documentary titled Surviving R. Kelly was released, and all of those accusations were re-examined. So he was found guilty of trafficking and racketeering in 2022, and then he was sentenced to 20 years in prison for owning and producing child pornography and enticing a minor. But that sentence is actually going to be served concurrently or alongside his other sentence, so it really only added a year and he will be 80 when he's released. Um, is it, Did you watch that Surviving R. Kelly documentary? I watched bits and pieces of it. Oh. So in this documentary, um, it's oh, like horrifying all the things. There's three seasons of it. And the final season was released like the end of last year sometime. And it's only four episodes. But it shows like the court, um, like the court transport scripts and stuff like that man i r kelly is some like I, that whole thing is some I, I don't even i don't even have words for that He's so when i was researching one sick mfer he is he really is but i yeah. didn't know he was married to Aaliyah. yeah he was he she was only like 15 or 16 when they got married something like that that is crazy to me mm-hmm and um, speaking of R. Kelly, I thought that was funny that we were talking about this because I'm 
rewatching South Park, uh, HBO Max. And <laughs> I mean, why not? I, I'm on season 12. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. But season 10, R. Kelly was on there and he was singing. I don't even remember what they were. Uh, I think they were singing like at the Walmart or something like that. Oh my God. I never laughed so hard when I re- came and read this and saw that we were doing a little update on R. Kelly. I told Candace, I'm like, it's funny because I just watched him on South Park. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. I think I've seen like a handful of South Park episodes. Oh, I love South Park. That's funny. You really, to get into it, you really need to start on season one. Oh, I'm sure. How many seasons yeah. are there? Oh, uh, like 27. Jesus. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's so relatable. Like everything is relatable. Unrelatable. Right is, now. I started watching Yellowstone. Oh. Nice. I finally made it to season two. This has been like it's been on for a long time. I know. I've tried I've been trying mm-hmm. to watch it for like a year. But I'm in season two now, so making progress. Shout out to you and your TV watching. Are <laughs> <laughs> you ever gonna get Netflix? Probably Christopher. Not. Well, I told Chris, I said, so. I'm going to have to break down and I'm going to have to ask Corey for her password. He's like, don't you dare. I said, I have to. And he's like, no, you can't. You can't do it. He's like, what do you even need it for? And I'm like, well, so I have this author that I just like, I love her. And she writes about North Carolina. And, oh, yeah. You know, I have like this weird obsession with North Carolina. I've never been there, but mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. And so all of her books are like very teen aged um, but she writes about North I mean, Carolina and I just like they're mm-hmm. easy, simple reads. And one of her books is becoming a movie and it's coming out on Netflix or it came oh. out. I think it mm-hmm. came out in 2022. But if you guys are interested in like easy reads, Sarah Dessen is amazing. She's my favorite. Nice. I know. I'm also reading Ashley Flowers new book. Oh, all good people here. And then mm. I have another one that I'm reading also. Nice. I know. What else you got for us? Well, um, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the Madeline McCain. Um, This one is kind of like a Lifetime movie come to life. It is. So, next on Lifetime, (laughs) Madeline Madeline had gone missing from her family's hotel room in Portugal on a little family vacation they were having. Um, This was May 3rd of 2007. Um, The children had, um, it was her and her two twin um, siblings. They were two. She was three. Um, all the children had been left sleeping on like at eight 30 on the ground floor apartment while, um, their parents were dining at fr- with friends at a restaurant about 180 feet away. Um, her parents came back and kept checking on the kids like periodically until, um, Kate, her mother discovered that Madeline was missing about 10 PM that night. They called the police and the police, um, suspected that the parents had covered up Madeline's accidental death but and her body has never been found. So, cue the Lifetime movie part. Doodly doo, doodly doo. Enter Julia Faustina. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, she came forward earlier uh, this year because she's convinced she's Madeline. She's claiming that her parents have been vague about her childhood, that she's not seen any pictures of herself as a baby or a small child. And that she never saw pictures of her mother pregnant with her. Um, she's been documenting uh, online the similar similarities between her and Madeline, such as facial moles, a distinct brown smudge on her right iris. I was going to say her, that I did see that. Yeah. The eye thing is, that's mm-hmm. pretty interesting to me. Right. And like, uh, 
her family is refusing to submit to a DNA test. Uh, the McCain's said they would submit to one, but uh, also I'm pretty sure there's it's like McCann. an attorney. McCann. Sorry. It's okay. It is McCann. My bad. I said it the wrong the whole time. So McCann. Uh, <laughs> the McCann's said they would submit to a DNA test, but no one's contacted them yet for that. And some of the authorities were like, they didn't want to put them through that if it wasn't true. But why wouldn't you want to put it through? You can't really tell. I guess they're trying to figure out if, if Julia is her parents' child, her by not the McCann's, but her parents currently. So I don't know. It's a whole disaster. Um, So we'll see how it plays out. That would be crazy, though, if she was actually Madeline. She does look similar. Interesting story. That is interesting. So I mm-hmm. pulled it up. Um, and it looks like her parents are, like, speaking out and accusing Julia of having, mm-hmm. like, mental health issues and how she's always wanted to be popular. Oh. And saying that, like, there's no way that she is Madeline McCann. She was... She is and always was Julia. So we will. We'll see how it plays out. Well, I mean, I, I, I see. I, I mean, I understand the the mental illness part of it. But if she is that, just Julia, then why don't they want to do a, a DNA test? Right. I like, agree. Just to calm the speculation. The wolves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just be like, hey, okay, we'll do one. I would just do that for the sake of doing it. For Christ's sake. Maybe they're like. Maybe this isn't like her first time. Or maybe they're just maybe like, not. I don't know. Maybe they're like, You're crazy, we're done with you. Right, but do not I, the great I, not a good way to approach it. I'm not saying that they should write off her daughter. Write off their daughter. I just think I just think if they wanted to shut all this down, they would just do a DNA test and be done with it. I agree. And so whatever. That's just my opinion. Oh well, yeah, it would clear so many things up. Right. Right. I don't know. I don't know. That's just weird. I agree. So we'll definitely keep you guys updated on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, are you ready to jump into this week's case? I am. Cool. So today we are going to discuss the murder of Thomas Lynn Clements. So Thomas actually worked for the state of Colorado as the chief executive of the Colorado Department of Corrections. A little backstory about Tom. He was actually born in St. Louis, Missouri on October 2nd, 1954, and he married his wife, Dr. Lisa Smith, in 1984, and together they had two girls, Sarah and Rachel. Before he moved to Colorado to lead the Colorado Department of Corrections, he actually worked a similar job in Missouri. So on the website, correctionalleaders.com, Tom's bio reads as follows, quote, Tom committed his life to serve the correctional population as a teenager having been deeply touched by visiting his uncle in prison. He prepared himself academically for correctional challenges, earning an associate's degree in arts and science in criminal justice in 1977, a bachelor's degree in sociology in 1979, and a master's degree in public administration in 1994. He began working in Missouri Corrections in 1979 and over his 31 years there, he occupied a variety of increasingly challenging positions in probation and parole services, as well as prisons. 
He was director of adult institutions when he retired in 2011. Not yet ready to end his career, he moved to Colorado to become executive director of the Colorado Department of Corrections, where he served for two years until his death in 2013. In 2015, an award was created to honor his memory. It is given to one Correctional Leaders Association member annually for their ability to to display innovation and achievement. Tom was regarded as a progressive leader who was said to have cared about the mental health of the prisoners and worked to ensure their transition into society was smooth. The day after Tom was murdered, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper remembered Tom as someone who worked in a cold, dark world with a remarkably open and generous heart, unquote. Which is such a kind comment. Working with inmates is a dark world, one that can harden a person, but Tom was anything but cold. I agree with that. Um, County jail is something, a whole nother, a whole nother ball of wax. And I can't imagine how prison was. Mm -hmm. Federal prison has got to be way worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or like those, um, like privately funded prisons. I can't imagine how those are any better. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had that one in Hudson for a hot second. I don't even know how those are legal. Right. Me either. They don't, the first of all, the corrections officers do not get paid enough to work at those. Mm -mm. Even back when that one opened, nobody was making like more than $15 an hour. Right. It's not enough. No, because it's an essential position. So they're there Mm -hmm. all the time. Right. And, you know, if it's anything like county, you're always short staffed. So then you're covering uh-huh. and you're working overtime and I don't know. That's 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 a job for for like a few you have to be really something has to be different with your your view on stuff to work at a a facility, a prison facility, a county facility. And I was never a like a a corrections officer, but Amanda and I both worked at, at corrections and it's not, it's not an easy job for, for, for anything. It's not easy. No, it's it does not. make you hard. <laughs> so Thomas was concerned about parolees going back to prison for technical violations and had started efforts to improve parole supervision. He also voiced concerns about solitary confinement on how it's overused and abused. He believed that mental illness is, is exacerbated in solitary. And Thomas was all, an all-around good human trying to make a dark, dark place better for the people in it. I agree. I don't think solitary confinement is very good. I think it makes people with mental illness um, more mental illnessy. Oh, I totally agree. I think even if you don't suffer from any mental illness, I think being mm-hmm. alone is so hard. I don't think as humans we're meant to be alone. Especially I mean, not in a confined space. No. No. Mm-hmm. In the dark. So on March 19th, 2013, just after 8.40 p.m., Thomas Lynn Clements was shot and killed at his home in Monument, Colorado. Thomas was fatally shot in the chest after answering his front door thinking it was a pizza delivery guy. His case drew a lot of attention locally and internationally, not only because he was the head of corrections, but also because Governor Hickenlooper had signed new gun control laws just after his assassination. Mm, Crazy. So the suspect in his murder, the suspect in his murder, a 28-year-old male and suspected 211 crew member. 
Ooh, the 211 gang. So the 211 <laughs> crew is the largest white supremacist prison gang in Colorado. They are also known as the Aryan Alliance or the Brotherhood of Aryan Alliance. The main tattoo is a shield or like a patch in a triangle shape with interlocking arms. So like hands grabbing arms like wrists. You can't see what she's doing. We're on the radio. Yeah, that's why I have a face for radio. <laughs> but I am doing it just so you guys are all aware. Locking my arms. Um, and then on the inside is a set of hands. And they're grasping lightning bolts. And then the numbers 211 are on the bottom center. So there's differing opinions on where the gang actually got its name. Law enforcement believes they got it from the California Penal Code for robbery. Um, but some members will claim that 211 is the numeric code for BAA or the Brotherhood of Aryan Alliance. I was just looking at my phone to see what that actually was. And well, yeah. Did I do a good job of describing it? Yeah. Um, that and the numeric code is actually 211 is, mm -hmm. is BAA. And it's not really BAA. It should be, it actually should be 222 because that's the numeric code for BAA. Yes. So they messed it up. <clears throat> Idiots. I'm I just kidding. I'm taking that out. I'm not going to say a bad word about <laughs> gang members. I don't want to get fucking fucked up. I don't know why I'm so weird about covering this. When I was I like, don't know. hey, should we really talk about this? You were like, do we have 211 crew members who listen to our podcast? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know their lives. Like, you do you, boo. But just know, like, we like people of all color and all races. Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't have a home here. Maybe you don't. But carry on. The 211 crew, um, or as I'm going to secretly call them, the 222 crew, was created in a Denver County jail in 1995 after Benjamin Davis was ar arrested for a string of robberies. Davis was sentenced to serve 30 years for his crimes, and while he was incarcerated, he was involved in a fight with a black man who broke Davis's jaw. He then made it his sole mission to protect his crew members from black and Hispanic gang members. In 2004, Davis took out an ad in the Rocky Mountain News to publicly deny any continued association with gang activity. Two years later, however, he and almost two dozen other 211 crew members were convicted of racketeering, which racketeering in Rico is freaking hard as hell to get convicted of. Like, mm -hmm. you really have to, like, that is you were doing some serious racketeering for them to convict you of that. Like that shoot. You didn't have a very good attorney. You need a mob attorney. <laughs> I'm serious. Anyways, he was found to have directed assaults and killings of other prisoners while in solitary confinement at several Colorado facilities. So how on earth being in solitary, were you able to conduct your racketeering business? You know he had an inside man working in the prison. That's how it works, guys. Yep. So, just so you know, you you can't just like you just don't have free range in solitary. No, like, you can't, solitary. You can't solitary. speak to other inmates. Like that's not how it is. So you you know one of those correction officers was helping him out. So he probably has some some members on the inside of that, or, or he managed nurse. to convince somebody. Oh yeah, or a nurse. And don't get me started on that. He was sentenced in 2007 to to serve additional prison terms totaling 108 years. 
He was found hanging in his cell on August 26th, 2017 in Rawlings, Wyoming. His death was ruled a suicide. I feel like that's suspicious, but you know, that's just me. According to a prison informant, the day before Thomas Clemens was murdered in his home, two 211 crew members were discussing details about how the killing would likely take place. The informant who overheard the conversation said that the men were, quote, talking about how um, there was going to be a DOC official that was going to get popped. I didn't know which one because they didn't say. They were talking low and they were talking about a nine millimeter Beretta and how this official was going to get shot twice, unquote. So just remember that with when we talk about an informant, usually they're getting some sort of a deal. I'm sure we've mentioned that in other episodes, but informants don't just like offer up information out of the goodness For free. of their hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this informant disclosed this information the day after the shooting. Not before, but after. He, like didn't nah. alert anybody. Um, law enforcement officials actually took his information seriously um, because they'd actually kept a lot of the details of the murder a secret, including the fact that Thomas was shot twice, once in the chest and once in the shoulder, and that the shell casings found at the scene were from a 9mm. Copies of recordings, interviews, phone conversations, and the informant's claims were reviewed, and it was decided that Thomas Clements's murder was ordered by the 211 crew hierarchy, and Evan Ebel, a 211 crew soldier, was sent to complete the deed. So one of the recordings included an assertion from another informant that he had information, inside information, that a 211 crew general drove Ebel the night of the murder to Clements's home in Monument in the getaway car, which was a 1991 black Cadillac DeVille. Some law enforcement believe that Ebel acted alone, but others believe that this was more than a one-man job. Many investigators actually continue to criticize El Paso County's former Sheriff Bill Elder's statement in 2016 that there was no evidence to support a wider conspiracy. Elder believed that Ebel, identified by law enforcement as the gunman, acted as a lone wolf attacker. Elder has actually since backtracked and reopened the investigation after meeting with former Governor John Hickenlooper and other investigators. I don't know. It sounds like a two-man job. I don't know anybody in a gang who does anything alone. Well, and when we get into it, you guys will hear... I mean, of course, Ebel had people outside of prison, but he spent... A good chunk of his adult life in prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was planned in a very, I want to say a very short amount of time, but we'll get into yeah. it. It is believed that Ebel worked with two other 211 crew members to orchestrate the assassination, but we have no way of proving that because Evan Ebel died in a shootout with Texas lawmen on March 21st, 2013. After crashing his car and shooting a Texas sheriff's deputy in the forehead, chest, and shoulder. Miraculously, the deputies arrived, but the chance for justice and to know what really happened to Tom Clements died with Ebel. Before Ebel's inevitable end and would-be murder charge, Ebel actually kidnapped and killed Nathan Leone. Nathan was just 27 years old when he was killed for his pizza delivery uniform. Ebel didn't take Nathan's phone or car, just his uniform a uniform that he wore part-time just to bring in some extra cash for his family. His family, that was everything to him. He was the father to a six-year-old and two four-year-old twins at the time of his death. Nathan was a husband, a son, and a father. He was a full-time library assistant at IBM in Boulder, Colorado. After Ebel 
kidnapped Nathan. He forced him into the trunk of his car and demanded he record a message. Leon was forced to say prison authorities routinely disrespect inmates and their families. The rest of the message reads as follows. Quote, in short, you treated us inhumanely, and so we simply seek to do the same. We take comfort in the knowledge that we leave your wives without husbands and your children fatherless. You wanted to play the mad scientist. Well, they will be your Frankenstein. Nathan Leone was reported missing on March 17, 2013 from the Domino's Pizza he was working at around 2 p.m. His body was discovered later that evening with an apparent gunshot wound in Golden, Colorado. This is the part of the story that really gets overlooked. And it just is so sad to me because he he was such a young guy. And he, he was, was just working. It, yeah, he he didn't have anything to do with anything. No. He was just doing his side job to make some money for his family. Right. It had nothing to do with anything. Right. And while Ebel may have felt that like he was trying to react, you know, to get his revenge. Mm-hmm. What the fuck did Nathan have to do with any of it? Right. Be like, dude, just, hold, I'm going to hold you at gunpoint. Give me your shirt and your visor. Right. If that's all you wanted. Right. Why did you have to kill him? Why did you have to go that far? Those little kids we'll now never, have to grow up without a dad. We'll never know what goes on in the mind of people who kill other people. Like, I mean, you and I and other people can talk about all day how like we feel like we could kill that person or this person, but our minds aren't wired to actually, that doesn't actually happen for us. Like, no, you and I... And other people that we know, friends, family, we would never, we would honestly never do that. And I think people who are, who like live next door to a killer and they're like, man, he seemed like the nicest man. You have to have known something. There's always red flags for, for these kinds of things. Like Evan Ebel was a walking red flag and no one like, uh, I don't know. Oh, absolutely. And we're yeah. actually going to get into it right now when we talk about who, who Evan this? was. So Evan Spencer Ebel, also known as Evil Ebel, um, he was born in 1985 to Jack and Jody Ebel. Not much is known about his childhood other than the fact that it was troubled. His parents actually sent him to several self-help camps to correct his ever-growing behavioral problems, but nothing seemed to work. From there, his problems only grew. Ebel's violence seemed to pick up after the death of his sister. When he was 18, he was arrested for holding an acquaintance at gunpoint and stealing their wallet. After that, he was involved in two armed robberies and was sentenced to serve eight years in 2005. During his stint in prison, Ebel seemed to have a hard time following the rules. He actually attacked a correctional officer in 2006 and spent much of the remainder of his sentence in solitary confinement. His family felt that this deeply affected him and only furthered his violent tendencies. Ebel was released on January 28, 2013 after a clerical error. He was supposed to serve a four-year sentence that ran consecutively to his sentence that he was already serving, but it wasn't specified in the court documents, so it ran concurrently or at the same time. On March 6, 2013, 
Ebel had a friend named Stevie Yeehill, who was only 22 at the time, purchase a 9mm handgun for him. And with his previous felony charges, he, was, he wasn't allowed to purchase a gun. So she purchased the gun for him and then two days later gave it to Ebel. She paid $611.97 cash. Ebel then removed his ankle monitor in preparation for his crime spree. And it is worth noting that Stevie V. Hill was sentenced to 27 months in a federal prison for her part in the crimes. So, I mean, a gun that she purchased was used in the murder of two men and really the attempted murder of several others. And I'm sorry, it's not like she didn't know. Right. Why else would you buy a gun for somebody who can't buy a gun? Right. Yeah. They were apparently family friends. Mm-hmm. Well, if you really were that close to the family, don't you think you would have known that he had a felony conviction? Mm-hmm. And, and any he wasn't of you the listening, person, <laughs> right? And anyone listening, <laughs> if you have a felony conviction, you cannot own or possess a firearm in the state of mm-hmm. Colorado. Mm-hmm. So, so don't get one. Just don't get somebody to buy you one. No, to go commit a crime. Don't do that Mm-mm. to your friends. You don't need it. You don't need it. No. Be nice to your friends. Be nice to your friends. So, on the evening of March 19th, 2013, an unsuspecting Thomas opened the door to what he believed was pizza delivery. He was like, man, I'd like some pizza. He was shot dead in the foyer of his own home. Ebel fled the scene and made his way to Texas. On March 21st, 2013, Evan Ebel arrived in Bowie, Texas, still driving the stolen 1991 Black Cadillac DeVille with mismatched license plate. Like, that's not going to get you pulled over. Texas Deputy James Boyd noticed the vehicle and pulled it over. Hmm? See? Told you. Ebel shot Deputy Boyd three times, leaving him for dead. He was shot twice in the chest and once in the forehead. Following the shooting, Ebel fled from the scene, and a high-speed chase began. The chase spanned two counties with speeds around 100 miles per hour. Ebel continued to shoot at deputies as they pursued him. The chase finally ended when Ebel was hit by a semi-truck. He exited the vehicle but kept shooting at police. This is oftentimes referred to as suicide by cop. Ebel missed every shot he took at the deputies, but was struck by return fire. He was flown from the scene to John Peter Smith Hospital, the longest named hospital in Texas, in Fort Worth, where he succumbed to his injuries. Hey, everything's bigger in Texas. Right. Apparently, I don't know how to say succumbed. So there's that. Hey, you, you redeemed yourself. You made it. Thank you. Thank you. Deputy Boyd, while bleeding from his head, was cognitive enough to radio Ebel's vehicle description and direction of travel. Thankfully, an off-duty officer and his mother, who was a nurse, stopped to help Deputy Boyd. His memory gets a little fuzzy after that, but after two months of physical therapy and determination, Deputy Boyd returned to the force in May of 2013. After Ebel was shot, police descended and began searching the vehicle. Inside, they found Nathan Leone's shirt and hat and a pizza box from Domino's. They found directions to Thomas Clement's house, bomb-making materials and instructions, a voice recorder that Nathan Leone was forced to use, duct tape, zip ties, and surveillance equipment. A gun that was recovered from the vehicle also matched the ballistics from the shooting deaths of Nathan and Thomas. It's believed that Ebel was enraged at the amount of time that he spent in solitary in prison 
and this was how he enacted his revenge. Ironically, Thomas Clements was an advocate against the overuse and abuse of solitary confinement. According to PrisonLegalNews.com, following the murder of his predecessor, Rick Ramish was appointed director to the Colorado DOC and dispersed 211 crew members to prisons in various other states, including Wyoming, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky, calling it one of the most influential tools available to corrections officials. Ramish said such transfers were often used to disrupt gangs like the 211 crew, which had aligned itself with other white supremacist gangs. So do you think those guys just started gangs in in other states like West Virginia? Oh, gosh, probably. I mean, mean, there's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be a place in correctional facilities for gangs, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But... Maybe this will be helpful to kind of break know, it up. It, move yeah, them make around. it trickier to start your your <laughs> gangs. I almost called it a club. <laughs> a club, a cult, a gang, whatever. <laughs> like if they just get together to cook on the weekends. No, not these guys. They're, they have a book. <laughs> they knit book sweaters. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're not making fun of this gang. <laughs> or any we're gangs. Not, please don't fight us. Mm-mm. We're we're not good at fighting. <laughs> no, we're not. We have nothing against you. Well, I mean, we do. We... <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> we'll cut that out so you don't murder us. It's fine. Okay, sorry. I Illinois is a big state. What? I said Illinois is a big state. Yeah, but I don't live in Illinois. Oh. God, selfish wellfish. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Don't come for no, us. Nobody's <laughs> going to get me because I'm in a new state. I moved, if you guys didn't know. <laughs> Pretty sure we've talked about it every episode. So, yeah. I know. Hey, moved. <laughs> it's your personality. It's who you are. It's fine. I know. Comedic relief. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I think that's where we're going to end this episode. Corey, do you have any other thoughts or comments? No, I don't think so. I mean, we talked a long time, and that—that's all. That's all I have. <laughs> we talked a long time. <laughs> we talked a long time. <laughs> hey, but for Serial Killer Tuesday, that's happening. Um, we are going to be talking about some serial killers, and I got this cool serial killer cookbook. So maybe we'll have like a recipe reading or something at the end of some, at the end of some of the po- the podcasts. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. You couldn't cook what a serial killer ate at his last meal. I'm so gross. That's like one of my favorite things to look up. Serial killer last meals. Yeah. Or killer last meals. Yeah, like I want to know what you ate. I, I always think about have- like if I die, this was my last meal. How depressing. I know my last meal is peanuts. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mine was spaghetti, and it wasn't good spaghetti either. Oh no! What happened? I don't know. It just wasn't great. I'm it's sorry fine. about that. It's, I made biscuits you know, this morning. Well, that like sounds lovely. Biscuits. Mm-hmm. I because I don't have a job, so you should I, probably cook stuff. I hate cooking. <laughs> These biscuits were easy. You cook them all. You like make the dough, and then you put them in a 
eight by eight in some melted butter and cut them like kind of cut them up into nine pieces and then bake them in the oven and then come out looking like biscuits. Mm, that's a hard no for me. Because <laughs> you would have to cook it. Yes. I mean, if oh. you make it, I'm like, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but I'm on this sourdough starter kick. Oh, I hate on... sourdough starter. Please don't send me any. I don't want it. Oh my God. That's so funny. I'm not going to get one because Chris was like, mm. you are not making bread. No. And I was like, but it's so cool to watch them. They like feed it. It's like a pet. And yeah, mm -mm, not for me. Uh, so little known fact about me. Now it's going to be a widespread fact about me. If you give me your sourdough starter, it's my house where it goes to die. That's fair. I make, yeah, I make one thing out of it. Even, even with Amish bread starter, I make one loaf of bread, maybe two, and then I'm done with it. They throw it away. Well, because it comes, it becomes a job. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Even though I don't have a job, I don't have time for that. Like I don't I don't want to babysit it. I don't want to love it. I don't want to give it things. No, thank you. It's not for me. I don't know. I like watching them. It's I cool think they're to really watch. fun to watch. It just and seems I always like think so like so much work and I don't have time for that. Well, yeah. But I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna go be like a homesteader and I'll bake biscuits in the morning and I just gave you a recipe to bake biscuits and you poo pooed that. So I don't it's think because I'm not a sourdough. Along. I'm not a sourdough starter homesteader. That's why. <laughs> you just want to play one on TV? I just want to play one on TV. <laughs> I always tell that to, well, to everybody. I'm like, I'm not an attorney, but I play one in the shower. And I have not lost a case yet. I'm so not a singer. looking for an attorney, <laughs> I know where to go. <laughs> I'm not a singer, but I also play one in the shower. <laughs> oh, God. It's like my favorite when I'm like driving home. It's like one thing I actually miss about working at the jail and like working those weird hours. Your long, your long gas commute. Yeah. Where you hit a deer that time. Yeah. Oh, that was sad. I cried. Oh, I don't, know, I don't remember who that deputy was, but he was like, well, it's nice to meet you. And I'm like, was it Reuben? Was his name Reuben? I don't remember. I want to say his last name was maybe like Robles. I maybe? think his first name is Reuben. Maybe that's who it was. Maybe. Well, he was very nice. And he he was like, well, where are you coming from? I, I see your shirt. And I'm like, I work in booking. <laughs> and he's like, oh, are you new? Yeah. I think it's like my like second month being there. I think it no, I think it was still like I think it only been there for like 45 days. <laughs> and I'd already crashed my car twice. Yeah, that that was a long drive for you. I know, but you know how much quality time I got in with Taylor Swift? Oh, I love Taylor Swift. <sighs> Same Z's. I I know people don't like her and we're probably gonna get crap, but I don't I care. I don't care. I like her. My my, I have a playlist that's just Taylor Swift, Post Malone, and Miley Cyrus. Well, that's an odd, <laughs> right? <laughs> collection, very eclectic. And then it has some some eighties hairband music thrown in there for variety. <laughs> if anybody knows me in real life, you know that I'm a diehard eighties fan. I'm not kidding. I, if I'm I not listening to eighties, it's Taylor Swift. And if it's not Taylor Swift, it's a true crime podcast. That's it. That's my variety. I live dangerously. 
You are you live on the dangerous side. I had an eighties themed birthday party. I know. I love. We the had 80s. an eighties themed crime mystery party. I know, and I won best costume. You did. I know. Because I have the best costume. And I'll tell you about it every time, too. I, it was a good costume. I told everybody. Everyone Chris was looked like, great. Oh, my God. Stop it. You shouldn't have let me win. It's fine. <laughs> I liked the girl who wore the pink People suit. People voted for you. Oh, yeah. She should have won. She's awesome. Oh, my God. She's funny. Yeah. That's my sister's friend from her work. Well, she's very funny. Sister's she friend from funny. work. Mm-hmm. I would tell you her name, but I can't remember it right now. For some reason, I think it's Polly, but that could have been her character. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't think it's Polly. Well, hopefully she's not listening. It's like, Corey, <laughs> I've had dinner with you 18 times. I and named I, my child I, I after you. Her. I have her on email and all kinds of stuff. We did a bubble run together, and I can't for the life of me remember her name. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> really? I'm a terrible human. Terrible. Well, speaking of Taylor Swift, have mm-hmm. you been keeping up with um, our Nepo baby and Selena Gomez's feud? No. Oh, yeah. They're feuding hard right now. It's like Selena Gomez against Haley Bieber and Kylie Jenner. And I did I did see like a little thing about it on Instagram, but I really didn't pay attention too much. Yeah. They're like being mean girls. And I'm sorry, but I love Selena Gomez. I saw her in concert, um, which is true crime related, everybody, because I saw her in concert and Christina Grimi opened for her. And then she was actually killed by um, an, an obsessive fan at one. Oh, of her- yeah. She was from TikTok, right? YouTube. That? that the chick you were talking about was from like YouTube or something, yeah. right? She was on. Um, the voice. I think she was on the voice. Yeah. I just watched a, um, thing about her on Dateline, like famous murders or something like that. Uh, that it also really had, sad. yeah, it also had the guy that was on son of sons of anarchy that went crazy and killed, um, not crazy. Cause that's not the right term. He went mad and, oh, um, didn't he kill like his killed family? The, no, not or his, his family. landlord. He was, yeah. He was at the like the writer's house in Los Angeles and killed the landlord yes. and her cat. Oh, that's crazy. That's yeah, it was a very interesting special. I want to watch. <clears throat> we should cover it, but um, I'd never heard of it. I'm listening to a podcast right now about Michael Peterson and Kathleen Peterson. Oh, there was, I think it was on Netflix and I want to say it was either Netflix or HBO and it's a series called The Staircase. Mm-hmm. And he actually was accused of pushing her down the stairs and she died. And they're doing like a whole deep dive on it right now in this podcast that I'm listening to. And it's just crazy. I never watched the documentary. But okay. if you're interested, it is on Netflix or HBO. But it's a really interesting case. They lived... um Oh, God, I don't even remember where they lived. Somewhere like the Hamptons or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, interesting. She was, like, very highly paid. He was a writer. He had actually, like, just had his book optioned for a movie. And then 
she was found dead at like 2 a.m. He found her dead on their staircase and he was arrested and tried for her murder. Um, and he actually took an Alfred plea. Oh, where he pled. Uh, he pled guilty without pleading guilty. Right. Um, and yeah, something there's something about an owl also that like maybe he said there was an owl that attacked her. And I think it was based on her like head wounds because she was found on her back. But I mean, like the whole staircase, the whole bottom of the staircase was just like covered, covered in blood. Did he, do you think he killed her? So far, no. Okay. But I mean, I'm like barely in the middle of this podcast, so I don't know. And I don't know why I didn't keep up on this case. But so far, no, I don't think he did. That's have crazy. you ever heard of it? I have not. I don't think I've heard of it. I probably I might when I start listening to it. Yeah. Um. Because after a while, when you listen to so many, they all sound the same. Unfortunately, they all sound the same. Yeah. Well, it's it's a good one. Right now, I'm listening to it on um, Crime Weekly with Stephanie Harlow and Derek Lavasser. Hmm. She's like the queen of deep dives, and I love love it. I want to hear everything. Nice. I know. So if you're in the market, it's a great podcast. Um, shout out to my sister who just got a re- refund from her food delivery company because someone stole her food delivery off of her porch. <gasps> I know, right? Oh my rude. God, how rude. And they're in for a surprise because the guy looked when, because she has a picture of him on her, her camera. Um, he looks like you know, your typical front door porch porch package stealer. Porch pirate. Uh-huh. And I bet he's in for a surprise. He was thinking he was getting this fancy meal from the meal delivery service. And she's a vegetarian. So <laughs> good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> I hope it's terrible. <laughs> it's probably really good, but terrible for someone who's thinking that there's steak in there. <laughs> right? There is not no steak in there. (laughs) Might get a tofurkey leg. mm -hmm. (laughs) Shout out to to her getting her money back. Congratulations. Get it. She's going to be so happy she's on this podcast. (laughs) Was it Fanny Annie? Yeah, it was Fanny Annie. Oh. Pamela I know. Has made her appearances on our podcast. She has. She has. She's now she's getting it because she was the victim of a crime. Oh, we should investigate. Mm-hmm. Give us his photo. We'll plaster it. Okay, I will. He'll be the thumbnail. Jerk. <laughs> Teach you to porch pirate someone's vegetarian meal. <laughs> right? Why? Why would you steal it? Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, that's a weird thing to steal. I bet he thought it was going to be something cool. And then he gets it home and it's just a whole bunch of vegetarian food. You know what I wish it was? Like, if I was going to steal somebody's food, I would hope that it was that chocolate cake from P.F. Chang's, The Great Wall. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's what I want right now. I don't know what I want right now. That's what I would hope it would be. That or... Tiramisu. Oh, yes. <laughs> Happy Sparkle Rainbow Time. 
Happy Sparkle Rainbow Time. <laughs> oh, that will never not be funny. <laughs> it will never not be funny. You are right. Maybe we'll maybe we'll fill you guys in on that one someday. All right, crime fans. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Keep those case requests coming. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you can be notified every time we upload. Upload? Upload? I know. I'm going to redo that. Okay. All right, crime fans. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Keep those case requests coming. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you can be notified every time we upload. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please share our podcast with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and we will read it in our next episode. New episodes are released every Friday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Please follow us on Instagram at Colorado Crime Pod or on Facebook at Colorado Crime Podcast for information on next week's episode as well as other true crime happenings. Remember to check out our new series, Serial Killer Tuesday, every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for deep dives on all the most prolific serial killers. We hope you have a beautiful day wherever you are. And as always, stay safe. On that note, happy Friday. We hope you all have a great weekend with whatever you have planned. Super duper. Super duper.